Welcome to Scenes of Beauty, a platform that is here to empower you to be your most authentic self and celebrate your own version of beauty, whatever that might be. I'm Chloe and I'm making it my mission to help you find and live your truest selves by connecting you with people that I believe live on their own terms. Each week, I sit down with guests that are all designed to show you that beauty comes in all shapes and sizes, and it means something completely different to every single one of us. Scenes of Beauty is a relatively new platform, so I wanted to ask you all a little favour. My aim is to reach as many people as possible with my weekly episodes, and the only way that I can do that is with your help. So if you're enjoying listening to the podcast and taking things away from it, please hit the subscribe button, share with friends and follow me on Instagram. It really helps with growing the podcast, which in turn helps me to get bigger guests and share their stories even further. We haven't had a super beauty focused guest on for a little bit, so I'm really excited to share that this week's guest is Sarah Palmira. Sarah is a content creator who shares info and education on all things beauty. I honestly don't think I've ever met anyone who lives and breathes beauty quite like Sarah does. Her energy lights up when she talks about brands and products and the way that beauty makes her feel is really, really infectious. From working the shop floor at Sephora to building a really successful career as a macro influencer in the beauty space, we go everywhere in this conversation, touching on Sarah not having the best time at school and how that then manifested into fears about becoming a content creator, to really coming 360, doing the self-work and turning her ambitions into her reality. Of course, I asked Sarah about the behind the scenes of her life, producing content, her favourite products and some tips that can help us all with our beauty regimes. Here's Sarah's version of beauty. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. So you're in LA. You're in LA, right? Yeah. Yes, I am. I was like, oh my God, I know you are, but... I've just got that wrong. So yeah, so you're in LA. So we are 
going global, which is really exciting. Um, and you you were just saying that you've just been over to the UK for Christmas, for the holidays. Yeah, I have family there. So it was nice to see them. I did get COVID on my trip for the first time. So for those of you who are listening who know me, my voice might sound a little different, but I am recovering. <laughs> Um, well, I'm really glad you're feeling better and I'm really, really pleased that you are here for a number of different reasons, which we'll go into and we'll talk about and we'll unravel. But should we start with who you are, your background? Yeah, let's do it. So if you don't know me, hi, my name is Sarah Palmira, and I am a former Sephora beauty advisor slash opera singer. So some people don't know this, but in another life, I was studying to be an opera singer. I studied for 12 years and that was my plan. I loved performing and I was in grad school getting my master's in opera performance. And at the same time I was working at Sephora, I'd always had this deep love of beauty. It was like a guilty pleasure for me. It was like something that I knew in my soul that I loved that I just tried to squash down because all my life I had tried to be as academic as possible and, you know, just kind of do the right thing, fit in the mold of what's expected. And even opera was not very much a part of that mold, but I tried to make it as academic as possible and studied it for a long time in an academic setting. And at the time I had finally decided to lean in and work at Sephora and I loved my job. I worked in the makeup and skincare department, loved it. And then when the pandemic happened, I was graduating at the same time that live singing was not happening and the music world was really negatively affected. And then I also was unfortunately let go by Sephora because they had a lot of store shutdowns. So many stores just shut down and they really had to let go of a lot of employees. So I found myself having to move back from Seattle to home in just moving in with my parents And I sort of just turned to an online platform almost as a way of just connecting with people. I missed having those conversations about beauty. I had no idea at the time that it would turn into what it's turned into today. But honestly, looking back, I just am so glad that it did because I think this is really what I'm meant to be doing and I've never been happier. Yeah. God, that's interesting. I knew a little bit about you, but... um... Yeah, really interesting. So let's unravel beauty um, for you. And you said, you know, it was like a guilty pleasure. It was something that you loved. Like, where did that come from? Like, had had you always been into beauty? I think I was one of the people that was watching beauty YouTube in in its absolute early days. I mean, it's so funny and full circle because some of these people that I used to watch when I was in high school, I'm friends with <laughs> now and I talk to. So it's very strange. But I was just a huge fan of coming home and doing a little bit of homework and then rewarding myself by binging beauty YouTube. I used to watch Susan Yara back when she did The Sass, which was this little... Um, fun show with her best friend Charzad and they would go and try beauty treatments um, and I used to watch so many beauty YouTubers Jaclyn Hill um, Manny MUA and I'm talking about like at the very beginning of their 
beauty careers. And it just, it was an escape for me. It made me feel good. And I just loved, I just loved it. And I didn't even necessarily apply a lot of makeup, but I just loved watching it. And then it turned into, I was always that friend with beauty recommendations. Oh, you you have dry skin. You got to try this. Oh, you, you love a blush. You got to try this. I've heard about this blush. And then it kind of turned into, I would just be in between classes on Sephora. My friends would joke and kind of make fun of me because when they went by my desk, I always had the Sephora tab open and I was just looking at products, reading reviews. <laughs> it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I, you know, I was been doing research for this and I obviously knew who you were anyway. And I have worked in beauty, so I'm aware of your your online platforms. But you, to me, are someone who just, like, lives and breathes beauty. And, like, even I'm smiling. Oh, thank when you. I when I think of it, because that's what your socials portray. And, obviously, we're having a conversation about it now, like, very early on in the conversation. And it's very apparent how it is just a part of who you are, which is really, it's actually quite refreshing. It feels like Aww. it's just a hobby, but it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a big piece of you, you know. Thank you. Yeah, I think growing up and, you know, becoming a more confident adult, I really just had to embrace that part of myself. And I don't really know why I wasn't just proudly. Um, I, I don't know why I wasn't proudly happy to say I love beauty. It's all I want to talk about. It's what I want to do. I think that I just felt pressured to do something more academic and it's silly because you know people who found find people who are founders of beauty brands and people who are makeup artists and people in the industry are some of the smartest people I've ever met so it wasn't really about that it was more that I was so worried I wouldn't be taken seriously for loving that Uh, I'd done so much school and schooling. I was worried about what, how I would be perceived if I said, well, you know what? I know I've done 12 years of school or whatever, but I would like to just shift into beauty. Uh, That's a really, that's a really interesting point. And I think, because I, you know what I think it is? I think it comes down to the misogyny and how women are are trivialized for our simple pleasures. Mm-hmm. You know, men can have entire fantasy football teams around their hobbies and it's a serious thing and people take it seriously and they do that and no one's making fun of them for doing their hobbies and and or professionally, you know, loving sports or whatever hobby it might be. But I think we still are in a really we're it's very prevalent in our society where women are kind of trivialized and you know made to feel silly for having these passions and little hobbies and joys and and I think that really that was what it was for me do you that's a really interesting point and I think a really valid point you know the the beauty industry is a like multi multi billion dollar industry worldwide it's part of I I don't know what the percentage is but it's part of a high percentage of every population across the world it's part of their everyday male female transgender you know whatever um yeah it is it's a really valid and it's a really interesting point that it's 
not taken seriously, which is to your comment about I was kind of a bit embarrassed to go down this beauty route because I don't want to put words into your mouth, but in a way, did you feel that that kind of diluted you as an academic or? No, actually, no. I think it was just that I was not confident enough to just lean into something that I loved and say, yes, I love this. And I would like to do this as my career because it's not taken as seriously as another career path. I would probably also was surrounding myself with the wrong people. I'm going to say that. I don't think that everyone's out there saying that beauty is not the right career path or isn't a serious thing. I think I was surrounding myself with really kind of serious people that, you know, and that's a part of growing up too, is you surround yourself with friends. You learn to surround yourself with friends who make you feel good, who, uh, you know, don't project their insecurities onto you. I think it's part of growing up, but I think that, uh, you know, as someone who also struggled in school in my younger years, having moved here from Europe, I struggled to make friends. I was bullied for some time. And I think it all just perfectly amalgamated together where I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to do what I thought was the right thing. And uh, I was so worried that someone was going to point and go, really, you're going to just do beauty. What is that? Why? That's so, wow. You love looking at lipstick all day. That's so lame. And so I think that I just took that on as an insecurity and I I buried it down. But internally, I knew that I just absolutely adored beauty. And everyone who knew me knew that. But it took me a really long time to own that. And it took almost a circumstantial occurrence, like the pandemic, to for me to really go, oh, perfect. Okay. I have no other choice than to start my platforms and talk to other people about beauty. But already when I worked at Sephora that's when I really started to understand, oh my gosh, I'm surrounding myself with people who make me feel good, who make me feel empowered. I loved my job and I felt so good doing that. That's when it clicked for me. It clicked for me sooner than starting my platforms. It clicked for me right then and there that I was in the place that I wanted to be. Um, And I actually was considering pursuing Sephora for many years and potentially trying to get into Sephora corporate at a certain point. That was really where I was at. Yeah. It's a really interesting point about community, actually, and like being in the right place at the right time kind of thing and surrounding yourself with people. It's that thing of like um, relationships fascinate me. I listen to a lot of relationship podcasts and I read a lot of relationship articles and it's always like, if you are single and you want to date, go to the place where you enjoy, join a running club if you like running, go for a wine tasting if you enjoy wine. And it's because then you meet people who are like-minded. And I guess it's the same thing with a hobby, really, or something that you are passionate about. It doesn't have to be the dating capacity, but um, it's, it is surrounding yourself with people that you connect with on similar things, isn't it? And it's, it's amazing how like empowering that can be. Yes, absolutely. That sense of community uplifted me every single day. When I took the job at Sephora, I was going through a really hard time in my life. And it was honestly the the brightest light in my life at that time. And the sense of community and the sense of enthusiasm, I was constantly talking to 
clients that were excited to know more. They either knew a lot and we were just chatting about our favorite setting spray or our favorite moisturizer, or they wanted to know. And I was so excited to be the person to introduce them to something. And I think that it was really that sense of community and how uplifted I felt and how I wanted to give that to others. It was like this I loved where I worked. I really had a very lucky experience too. Just the people I worked with were so lovely and we all really were there because we genuinely loved beauty. And so then I think that's why when I was let go, I was devastated and gutted because this community in my life was gone. And that's really why I felt the need to bring it online And I actually already at the time had been posting on YouTube just as a hobby to continue to have those conversations with people. And I think that's really the, the, the heart of it. Yeah. I think, um, to your, to your point just there, I, um, I've worked in beauty for a long time and and I've worked in different industries also. And the one thing, whether it's online, whether it's in house, whether it's in Sephora, whether it's in, uh, you know our equivalent of Sephora here is Selfridges like it's you walk in and you instantly just feel a buzz of like everyone connected on the same thing and like the womanhood in beauty is like nothing I've ever experienced in my entire life like it's so uplifting and vibrant I just love it I just really love it yeah yeah there's it's like and beauty really is for everyone I love that it's becoming a more and more inclusive space. And I think it's one of those things that connects people across cultures and gender and sexual orientation. It's just one of those things where there's nothing like being in a bathroom and applying a lipstick and having someone come up to you and go, oh my God, I love that lipstick. And suddenly you're chatting about lipstick. (laughs) You know, it just, it's one of those things that just sparks this instant connection. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I want to move on to talk about your social platforms and how you've built them and what that means to you and da, 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 and unravel them a little bit. But before that, you mentioned a little bit about you moving here from Italy uh, and then kind of being bullied or picked on as a kid. Can we dive into that a little bit? Because I'm interested, you, you did touch on it, but how that's manifested into you as, a, as an adult and, and growing up. Yeah, as a young adult, I really wanted to, I wanted nothing more than to fit in and be accepted. So if I was in a school that prioritizes academics, that's why I wanted to do something academic. That's why I even turned in, I turned my opera, which is an art and it's it's not academic necessarily, uh, into something as rigorous as possible. You know, I tried to take all the theory classes and you know, all those difficult music courses. And that is one path to doing singing, but you can also not go through schooling to become a singer. And so I think I just, whoever I was around, I really just tried to emulate. And even when I was in my degree, I tried to be the most academic singer or the most, you know, involved singer where all I talked about was singing and operas and musicians instead of, I really also wanted to sit down and go, okay, so the other day I tried on this blush and I think it's like this other blush, but it's cheaper. And I wanted to tell you about it. I I was, you know, dying inside to talk about that, but I, I think I squashed it. <laughs> but yeah, I think the transition, you know, a lot of people can relate. I think whenever you move from a different country, it's a shock 
And uh, I think that it's pretty natural, especially when you're a young kid, to be picked on for not fitting in. But I think it was something that I just held on to for a long time and it really affected how I saw myself. So I carried that feeling of inadequacy and insecurity for a long time, even after I had made my own friends and was really fine and well-adjusted, I carried that sense of, I need to make sure that I'm liked and accepted. And I basically projected that out in every situation. And what I learned was, it does not make people like you more. <laughs> um, I could, As someone who has a large platform or a, a good amount of people following me and I get all sorts of odd and sometimes mean comments. I will tell you that you will not always be liked, but that's not the way you should live your life. But I did for many years. And I think it just created a sense of desperation. I was desperate to keep friends, hold on to friends, have friends. It led me down a path of not loving myself first, not putting myself first. So I would end up maybe in friendships where I wasn't treated very well because I was just so grateful to have a friend. Uh, and and I think that when you forget what you offer as well, then it just makes for a really difficult time. So I think I was not, I was denying myself all of these pleasures and all of these experiences that I could have had sooner had I just decided to really be happy with myself and lead with that yeah I guess is that almost like a built-up tension like a like a like a yeah like a built-up tension and then you're not allowing yourself the experiences that you should be having especially as a kid and, and being a teenager is tough anyway like without all oh. I different or I was different or I am different or I feel different or people are treating me different and I just want to be involved I think it was more you know especially well actually adults do this as well but when you lead from a place of oh my gosh please like me people can almost sense it and it almost puts them off you know and it's this subconscious feeling and you project that out and it causes things to happen and it's almost like a vicious cycle so in my experience, when I was feeling insecure, I would almost turn to other val- forms of validation. So I was a bit of a teacher's pet because I loved getting at least a validation from my teacher. I was always raising my hand. I was like Monica from Friends, always raising my hand, always, oh, I know, I know, I know. I will say, off, I will say on the record, I was not one of those kids who would remind the teacher that we didn't have homework. I was not at that level. <laughs> But I was at a level where I was always participating and I always wanted the teacher to like me because I felt like, well, if the teacher likes me, at least that's someone who likes me. And I really wanted to be well-liked by the teacher. And I was talking all the time and participating all the time, almost monopolizing the classroom conversation to the point where my peers started to not like it. And so that alienated me even more. And then the more I was alienated, the more I did it. And so it's just, you have to ask yourself what your motivation is behind your actions. Was it because I absolutely loved the subject and was really motivated? Because that's a beautiful thing, but it wasn't. It was because I really wanted that teacher to go, oh, I really like that girl, Sarah. Yeah. And I think people could sense it and it was annoying. 
and I guess it's especially at that age it's a vicious circle because it's it takes a good amount of and a good level of of self-awareness to be able to realize that that's what you're doing when did you realize that that that's what you were doing and how yeah, no, I realized this once I was in college and I looked back and I thought, oh yeah, no, <laughs> I went through my entire schooling. I mean, I did have friends, but I went through my entire schooling being like, huh, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying so hard and it's just really hard to have a lot of friends, but I don't know, beats me. And then I finally graduated and I started to, I started to grow into myself a bit more and realize, hey, I'm pretty great too. I have a lot to offer. And that's when I really coincidentally, but not coincidentally, started finding that I was connecting with more people, making more friends, and maybe even deciding myself, hey, you know what? This person's not a good fit. I'm I'm going to connect with someone else. And it's really because I had the self-love to be able to decide, hey, guess what? It's a mutual thing. I can decide who I want to be friends with as well. And that was a really powerful thing. And it was only later when I looked back at why was my college and adult experience so different than my school growing up experience that it really clicked for me that that's, I was leading from that place. And it actually took me years to shed that completely. I still had traces of it in what I was doing in the way I was, you know, pursuing things that I thought were, you know, the right thing to do. And I think we all get stuck in that place of doing things to please others. I was, I was a people pleaser and I'm an ex people pleaser now. (laughs) Happily, happily an ex people pleaser. Yeah. Without talking about your social platform, because I'm guessing that's a big part of, of growing out of it and and developing from that. But um, how did you kind of overcome it? Like, what was that journey like? It was a rough and rocky one in which I had to ask myself why I had to ask myself what what was the source of my unhappiness and why I was ending up in either, you know, friendships and relationships that ended up, you know, not working out and people treating me badly. And I think that once it happened a few times, I had to really look at myself and I thought to myself, is there something I'm putting out there that's making me more uh, prone to having this happen? And this happens to everyone, of course, but it happened to me a few times. And so I started to really reflect and ask myself if there was anything that I was doing, not that it was my fault, but if there was anything that I was doing that was making me more prone to these situations. And then I actually started seeing a therapist. I had never really done that. And I am such a big proponent of therapy and journaling. And I just really went on this like exploratory phase of really reflecting. And I realized, oh my gosh, it turns out that the bullying that I'd experienced when I was six affected me for way longer than I even thought. And it's led me to want to be a people pleaser. And that's what's gotten me in situations where I'm not treated well, because I lead from that of hoping the person will like me versus this is how I want to be treated. And this is what I can offer you. It took a really long time. And actually that is why it took me a long time to do social media because I'd wanted to have my own YouTube channel since I was 15. Yeah. And I think I made one when I was 25. So that's 10 years 
after I wanted to do it because I was so afraid that somebody would find my video and laugh at me and write a mean comment. And I knew I couldn't, I, I knew I didn't have the the backbone for that. So I was just a proud follower of everyone. Yeah. I think, I think that's the same for a lot of people. Like I, I, I always go back to this thing of like, what if nobody had an opinion on, it's obviously not realistic, but like, what if nobody had an opinion on what you wanted to do? Or like, what if you just thought no one's going to see this, I'm just going to do it anyway. Or like, you know, what if you took all of that away? Like, you would, I feel like you would express yourself in a much different way. Not you personally, I'm talking. Yeah, you miss out on like an amazing life you could have had if you worry about what people will think or how you, how you'll look. And I think a lot of people lead with that. And I, I think everything happens for a reason and at the time it's supposed to, but I missed out on potentially 10 extra years that I could have had posting on social media because I was so worried about what someone might say, think, or comment. And I just knew that, you know, the internet is a big place and eventually I might get a mean comment and I I couldn't bear with that thought. So I just watched from the sidelines and I would literally imagine sometimes an alternate life in which I was, I was the one with the channel and I was the one posting and, and talking about beauty. Um, Yeah. So I'm really glad that I did I did move past that because that was really holding me back in just a lot of ways. I didn't dye my hair because what if it doesn't look right? And what if someone thinks I look bad with it? And that's so silly. Dye your hair and then you don't like it, then change it back. Decide that you don't want to do that anymore. But I was just very, you know, fear-based in a lot of my decisions. Uh, even with opera, what if I'm not successful? What if I, what if I study for many years and then I don't become an opera singer? I had a plan B, C, D, E, F, and G. And by the way, none of them included this because even then I was still denying myself of what I really wanted to do because I was worried about what somebody else would say and think. Yeah. God, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? For for someone. I think a lot of young girls feel that way. And a lot of like a lot of young women and a lot of young people. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you now are the girl with the platform and you are the girl who's having her YouTube videos watched and her social media videos watched by hundreds of thousands of people. So let's talk about that and that journey and how it started and, and how you built it up. Cause it's, it's amazing. And like I said, you know, I've, I've watched your content for a long time and oh my gosh, thank you. It's just your energy is just fab. Like it's, it's just so infectious. And I think it is, there's a lot of that a lot of beauty creators out there and there's a lot of people who love beauty but what really stands out for me is is honestly your energy and your presence when you talk about beauty is, is really infectious it's it's really great I, I love it oh thank you yeah I absolutely love it so hopefully that is palpable in everything I talk about um in my favorite comp- compliment is when somebody tells me that I they come home after a hard day of work and watch me to relax. It's my favorite uh, compliment because I would I love being that escape for people, and uh, that's what I used to do, and that's what I used to love doing. That's why I used to watch this kind of content because it made me feel so good. I think that 
it started as a hobby. I was super excited. I still remember the day I hit a hundred subscribers on my YouTube channel. I freaked out and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe there are a hundred people out there that voluntarily are watching my video. So I think, pardon? When was that? Oh my gosh, that was, that was in March of 2020. Mm-hmm. I had a hundred subscribers on YouTube. I did not have an Instagram or a TikTok at that time. So it's just on YouTube. And then it was my brother who suggested my younger brother. He's about five and a half years younger. And he said, you should really try TikTok. And I said to him, that dancing app for kids? He goes, yes, it's it's changing. It's becoming educational. It's really cool. And at first I was pretty resistant because I like talking for a long time. So TikTok was really hard for me at first because I thought to myself, how the heck can I tell people something in 15 seconds? I It's not possible, but it it really is. And it forced me to only say the important parts of whatever I wanted to say and maybe say it in also multiple videos, but it was really fun. I found the short form content to be just so much fun because I could make it and then quickly edit it and then post another one. So it was just a really fast way of interacting with people. And again, I really led from a place of, I really want to talk to people. So I didn't necessarily go on there thinking I was going to have hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, Not at all. In fact, the first time I made a video, I think my first viral video was a video about all my foundations. I was just holding up the foundation and saying, this wasn't good. This was good. You know, different things. And I remember looking at it and it jumped up from 8,000 and I was like, oh my gosh, 8,000 people. And then the next day it was 30,000. And I was just absolutely shocked. I kept showing my family 30,000 people have seen this. I cannot believe it. And then a hundred thousand and then it hit a million. And I was just like blown away. And yes, I just kept posting. I just enjoyed it. I kept posting little tips and guides And slowly then, actually not slowly, quickly, the numbers started really changing. And then I decided to post videos on Instagram before Instagram was even doing videos. They didn't even have reels. I just posted videos because I realized that I was not a photographer and I didn't enjoy that aspect of Instagram. So I decided to really make my Instagram page my own, which was my videos and my tips. And that's when my Instagram really started going as well. And so eventually it actually got so overwhelming to see the number grow so quickly that I started to just almost disassociate it and see it as just a number rather than people, because thinking about the amount of people watching was too much to process. So I just saw it as like a hundred thousand, 200,000, but I didn't go 200,000 people because it was too much to think that that many people were watching me talk. And it took me forever to actually, I don't even think I don't even think right now I fully grasp it because it's just too much to process. Yeah. I guess when you do think about it like that, because I mean, I work in influence marketing, so I know it's, they're obviously not my platforms that I'm looking at, but you, like as a receiver of that and as someone who really takes that information and does something with it, you never really think about them as people because you do just see them as numbers. However, When I talk to them, I feel, I know that when I'm interacting with someone one-on-one, that's very different. Or when I'm in the comment section, talking to people, that's the part I live for. 
And it kind of doesn't matter if it's 30 people I'm talking to, or if it's one person, or if it's hundreds, that's the part I love. And that's when, of course, I really connect with whoever is following me. So it's like this weird cognitive dissonance where when I'm speaking to people, either in DMs or in comments, I'm fully aware and I love having that connection. But then when I look at the follower number, the view number, it's hard to just register. Yeah. And I guess just going back to like the conversation we were having prior to this, it must be really great to now have of that community of people, whether they're online, whether it's new friends that you've made through your platforms, like whatever it is, it must be nice to be like, "Ah, I am where I'm meant to be now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, this it is really, really nice. And I think that a past version of me would have completely fallen into a trap of only feeling validated about what I'm doing based on how many people watch, like, and comment. But the reason it's so gratifying is because I'm at a place where I'm just happy to be making videos and I'm doing this because I, I love it. And so when I'm leading from a place where I don't need that validation, I'm just hoping that I get to have the community. I think that's why it's been successful. I think a lot of people try to get into this job because they want the, you know, likes, they want, you know, some kind of notoriety. They want a lot of comments on their videos. But I think when you lead from a place like that, it's probably really exhausting. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because in this job, it's kind of like you get a performance review every day. You post a video, you know how it performed. So if you're leading from a place like that, I could, I imagine that you would burn out really quickly. That did happen to me a few months later when I started making this my full-time job and I was with an agency and I felt pressured to show the good numbers that I'm moving forward, that I'm growing. And so suddenly I started to feel a lot of pressure and I was looking at every video I was posting and hoping that it was doing better than the one before it. And I started not to like it anymore. I started to not really like what I was doing. And so I had to take a step back and ask myself, why am I doing this? And then I needed to remember, well, I'm doing this because I love talking about beauty. And so then ever since that moment, I've really tried to abandon anything to do with analytics and who's liking and who's watching and I've been so much happier yeah and I guess doing it out of passion and out of purpose rather than 
you know, for any vanity metric is, I've had a few conversations on the podcast recently about like when you just be really true to who you are and you think you go way further, not even, it's not even about going way further, but you, things just start to happen and they start to fall into place without you even realizing it. And it was all because you took that view from yourself of being perfect or having numbers or hitting a certain goal. Right. Well, I think that success is a symptom. It's like a result of being passionate and enjoying what you're doing. So if your focus is on, I want to be as happy and fulfilled and passionate as possible about what I'm doing, then success is the result of that. But if your goal is, I want to be as successful and known for what I'm doing, then your focus is in the on the wrong thing. And that's when everything can suffer. Yeah. I think that is what differentiates the best of the best in their businesses versus people who are just really, really trying, but they just can't seem to, I mean, in many ways, of course, that's, that's taking out any of the privilege that people are born into any of the help that they've gotten. But I'm, I'm just speaking in a really general sense that I think when your focus is on, I want to be as noteworthy and as known as, and as successful as possible, you're always going to fall short. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. It's an interesting thought. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't actually think about because they think about the end goal. They don't think about the journey that it takes to get there. And and I think we're now so visible to lots of different people and different types of people and successful people and unsuccessful people. And we see everything that it's almost like, why can they do it? And I can't. And I think when I started the podcast, I had a really unhealthy relationship with social media in that I looked at it and I just thought, everyone's doing so well like why what I don't feel I felt inadequate to that and I kind of resented it in a way and actually through doing the podcast and talking to influencers and talking to content creators and talking to different types of people it's really given me that deeper understanding of people are just doing what they're passionate about and you start to do that it works you know I've heard that so much. I mean, even people who have Instagram or TikTok for personal reasons, and they just hate seeing friends of theirs post the best photos ever. And it's just, you know, you have to remember that it's curated. You have to remember that people are really only showing their best moments. And that's why sometimes I try to post a story of me looking absolutely rough, just to remind people that if I'm on camera, like I've tried to do my hair, (laughs) I've tried to you know, look put together. And I like posting stories every now and again of me just like, you know, being absolutely exhausted or, you know, my skin's not looking the best um, because it really is like that. And also, you know, just as a content creator who has friends who are also content creators, um, whenever I talk to my friends, we have all slowly learned the hard way that it really is just best to focus on your own thing because you will get caught up in wondering, well, then why did that person do this idea? And it did so well. And I had that idea a few weeks ago and I did something similar and it just didn't do well. And then you, you really just lose sight of everything that's important. And it, I mean, this is in any industry, by the way, like you just will lose sight of, of yourself. And there's something that you do that's different and special that no one else does. And that's the case for everyone 
doing this. But also in terms of content creation, there's an insatiable need for content. So I'm very much in the uh, in the perspective of there's plenty of seats at the table and someone else being successful does not take away from my ability to be successful because there's always going to be people who want more and more and more content. And I cannot make enough content for everyone, which is why we have a lot of us out there and we're all watching each other's content and we're all enjoying it. So I think for me as well, it's been important to cultivate a sense of community with other influencers. Like we have group chats, we have DMs, we text each other. Like I'm friends with a lot of them and it's been really great and so rewarding to to think like that and and be like that. So yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think everyone's so different. Even if you think two creators are similar they often have a different tone of voice or a different style or a different opinion on certain things. So I I completely agree. There's never too many. And I think like we all watch content and it's all so fun. Like it's so, you can never get too much of it because it's a big part of our lives now. Like it is, it is cool. Yeah, absolutely. And just going back to beauty then and, and, and your, your passion for it is just talk to me a little bit about, product and how it makes you feel and and what is it that you love about beauty I know you watch the videos and and right but but what is it that ignites you I think um I think for me it's the self-care aspect of beauty I always like to say when I, I used to go out a lot more before the pandemic but I used to go out every weekend and my favorite about getting ready to go to a restaurant to go to a bar to go to brunch is getting ready which is so stupid but I just love that it's actually not stupid I know a lot of people who feel this way my favorite thing about date night sometimes and don't tell my boyfriend is getting ready and choosing the blush I'm gonna wear and doing a face mask and doing my hair I just find it so gratifying to take that time to myself and it's only for myself and that's why I like to get ready when I'm just in the house by myself because it makes me feel good and it's just really like almost a meditative experience it's the time where I can focus on no one else but myself that's I think why I'm so passionate about helping people have a skincare routine because there's nothing quite like removing your makeup and just really taking the time to take care of your skin or there's nothing like an everything shower where you're trying all the scrubs and the you're lighting a candle so I think for me that's where it started was just the ritual. And actually this started young for me because when I was young, my grandma had this beautiful vanity. She still has it with a gorgeous mirror and she would have all of her products just laid out in front of her. And I used to watch in fascination and envy as I would watch her get ready and do her skincare and her nightly routine and put on her lipstick. And I just thought it was the most amazing, beautiful thing ever. And I remember thinking, God, I want that. So for me, it started young and that's really just where it started for me. And then it became um, almost a need to research and figure out which products I liked best because I would get so overwhelmed. And I think a lot of people feel that. There's so many launches. I was going to ask you about the overwhelm of of beauty because people are so overwhelmed by where to go, what to buy, who to follow, what 
what's right for them they want to try and it's not right for their skin but I still want to try it and it's all a bit it all gets a bit merch it is so hard and I think that's actually another reason why I really wanted to make my channel because I have ADHD and I find it really overwhelming. I find it that I impulsively want to try everything or I'll buy something impulsively because it's pretty and then I'll regret it. And oh no, it wasn't that good. And so it can really lead to overwhelm and also just you spending money that you don't have on something that you don't like. And there's nothing quite like that. That's so frustrating. And so I think for me, I take my job really seriously because you know, especially when I was a student, I had $20 that month to spend on something I liked. And if I didn't get the right thing, that was really devastating. So I like to take my job really seriously. And I hope that I point everyone in the right direction for their needs. But yeah, it is overwhelming. I think that's why I got so into testing products, trying to compare products, trying to see which product was better. And that's why I try to make my page a little bit more review-based and advice-based because I never want people to feel overwhelmed when watching my content, but it's hard. It's difficult because then there's the enthusiasm of trying a new product. One tip I will give people that I still do because I'm, I also get influenced by other influencers. Like I watch my friends post something and I'll text them and be like, so you really like that product you posted? Oh, you like it? Oh, okay. I might, I might get it. I get every time I scroll on TikTok, I want to buy something. I will make a list in my notes. And I've been doing this ever since I was like 15 of all the products that I want and I'll leave it there. And then if I keep thinking about one product over and over again for like at least a month, then I'll put it to like the top of the list. And it means that I might be able, I'll I'll allow myself to buy it. But sometimes I'll put a product on there and then a month later, I'll forget about it. So I'm glad I didn't buy it. That's really helped me stay more you know, financially savvy through my desire of <laughs> it buying get- everything. No, that's a really good way of doing it. One thing I've always wondered about beauty creators is how do you test loads of different products without like your skin breaking out or, and this is, I'm just being nosy, but I, I've always, and I've, you know, I've worked in beauty. I should know this answer, but I've tried a lot of products, but how do you like constantly test and, and try on your skin? Yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. Um, it's a question I ask myself every day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's yeah, it's not easy. Whenever I work with brands too, and they want to do like a sponsorship, I always say, "Well, I'm going to need a, a minimum of four weeks to try this. You want to you want to see if we want to work together next week? I I won't even be able to tell you until the end of the month. So it's just one of those things. But I think. Brands have started to respect that and, you know, really allow me to set that boundary because skincare is so different than makeup. I can tell you in like a day or two, if I like a blush, I cannot tell you for at least two weeks, if I like something or not, especially if it's like a serum and I'm supposed to see a difference, I'm going to need four to six or four to eight weeks. So, um, that's why I like to work with brands that I've tried and I love. And so if they have a new product, I'm probably going to like it. So it's easier for me to test, but it's been a trial and error. I can't tell you how many times I've destroyed my skin barrier, trying out different products. So now I have like a really kind of foolproof way of rotating. I only like to incorporate one to two new products in my routine because that way 
I can test them out adequately and I can kind of determine if there's a product that's, you know, irritating my skin pretty quickly because it's one of the new ones. And so I have, I also have like a little notebook where I keep little notes on each product that I'm trying. And, uh, then I just rotate them out like that. So every, you know, every week I'll have either a new cleanser or a new moisturizer that I, and then I'll keep that in my routine for like two, three, four weeks. And then I'll add a different serum or maybe I'll, I'm kind of weird. I only have one face. So sometimes I'll, I'll do a half and half where like, if I'm trying to compare vitamin C serums, like I'll just keep my entire routine really simple, but then I'll be trying two different vitamin C, one on one side, one on the other. I'm like looking in the mirror. I take a lot of photos too, so I can tell if something's working. So in a lot of my videos, like I have before and after photos and people were like, oh my gosh, is it sponsored? And it's like, no, I just really needed to know if it was working because you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you don't know. So sometimes it's not very obvious. So I take a lot of before and after photos. I use products on my arms. I use products on my, on my, on my, you know, neck or my leg, <laughs> anywhere that I can also test it, especially if it's like a retinol, I can still tell on the back of my arm if it's smooth. So things like that. But I also have fallen prey to this industry and I've gotten really overwhelmed myself So recently I've actually taken a huge step back with the amount of PR I accept because I I really did have a thought of how can I make people feel less overwhelmed? if I am also overwhelmed. I'm not helping anybody. So I recently um, made a decision to take a break from a lot of the PR I receive. I'm really, really picky. I almost accept nothing now because it's just too many products to try. And I want to be really intentional with how I test things. So yeah, it's, it's, and I also give a lot of product away, um, to friends and family. And then if it's unopened, I work with a few local charities, um, women's shelters that I donate to. So yeah, it's, it's a constant little battle to make sure I'm not wasting product too. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's really important. And we're definitely in a time now where people are being honest about the products that they like and the products that they don't like, or they just, they know they're not going to like something. So they don't try it. And it's a really nice space, actually social at the minute, isn't it? Where people are being honest and you can trust what influencers are saying. Um, Yes. It's always been the case. Like, let's be honest. It has not been the case. And I think there's still a lot of distrust out there, but what I will say to people is there's too many beauty brands. There is too, there are too many skincare brands. So there's kind of no reason why somebody would want to jeopardize the trust that their audience has in them for the money of working with a brand because they can say no to one brand and have probably another one at this point because there's just so many to choose from. So, well, first of all, in my opinion, nothing is worth jeopardizing the trust that your audience has for you. But even that aside, there's just so many brands out there that there should be no reason why an influencer chooses to work with a brand where they didn't like the product. And I have to say for me, in my professional experience, it's only strengthened my relationships with the brands I work with. You know, if I, I love brands, but I don't like every product they put out. And I've had to say before to a brand that I love and I love working with, Hey, thank you so much for sending this to me. Unfortunately, it didn't work out for my skin and I didn't like the texture. I know we wanted to partner together on this, but is there any other product that you think would fit 
your campaign objective. And usually they respect that so much. And they're, you know, more than happy to work with me in a different capacity. Or maybe it's not the right fit for like their focus now, but they'll keep me in mind for the future. And they really will. Like they'll come back and they'll say, we know you didn't like this product, but we have a new campaign about this product that we know you like. So that's really cool. The one thing I will say is more prevalent now is influencers trying to hide that it's sponsored versus being untruthful about whether or not they like it. So, you know, a lot of influencers feel pressure from the brand to have a high level of engagement. We all know that people don't engage with ads as much. So a lot of the times people will try to bury the hashtag at the very end of the text and they just won't disclose. They will disclose, but they won't disclose in an obvious way. And I think that comes from a sense of pressure. We really have to move past that and not do that because it hurts all of us. Yeah. Because then brands have an expectation. They go, well, this person's video did really well. Why didn't yours? And, you know, sometimes I want to answer, well, yeah, that person, I couldn't even tell it was an ad. They had their disclosure buried at the bottom. So that does hurt all of us. And hopefully we'll start to move away from that. Um, you know, Instagram and TikTok are already getting better because you can hit like paid partnership and it'll just have like a text that comes over your video. So that really helps. But that's the main thing that I'm seeing now in this space versus just lying about whether or not you like a product. Well, I was going to say, I guess the way to overcome that is to be honest about products that you like and, and, and as, as consumers is to follow people that you trust as well, you know, rather than someone's calling BS and saying that they like a product that they don't, you know? Right. Right. And most of the time, like the ads that I do, you'll have seen me talk about that product before. And sometimes the distrust is really there because they'll say, well, we're all the other posts sponsored. And I have to say, no, I liked the product. So I reached out to the brand and now I get to talk about the product and get paid to do that. And what people also don't always understand is 95% of my content is free. So if I don't do the paid sponsorship, I can't, I can't do my job. I can't, I can't do, I can't make that much content then because I have to go out and get another job and then not make as much content because I can't make money doing, doing that. You know, for most influencers who I talk to sponsorships make up 90% of our income. You know, people think we make a lot of money on affiliate links, but every influencer I talk to go, no, no, I need the sponsorships to pay my bills. Yeah. It's an interesting world, isn't it? It's, um, it's fascinating. And I think it's one that people don't understand unless, how can you, unless you're in it, you know, but it's, it's yeah. a weird anomaly of so many people see it yet. So many people don't get it, which is not, it's not like any other job, is it? In in that respect. Right. And it's no one's fault. And we need to speak more openly about the behind the scenes as well. If we want, or we expect people to understand. I sometimes comment in my sponsor videos, like I'm so proud to be working with this brand. This is like a dream come true for me. And usually I'm really proud too of the ads that I do. So I'm proud to be partnered. And then I usually always say something like, um, thanks for supporting me. If you engage with this ad, you basically allow me to continue to create free content for you. So, you know, uh, and I like to also try to make sure that whether or not someone's going to buy the product in my ad, they still learn something. So it's not like I'm just only talking about the product. I try to give some advice in there that is still valuable, whether or not you choose to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Has your perception of beauty changed since before working in it 
and now being a content creator in the beauty space? That's a really good question. I think, I think so in some ways, you know, when I was working at Sephora, I always wore a lot of makeup and I loved, I loved it, still love it. But when I was inside from, you know, the pandemic a lot of the time, and I focused more on skincare at the, you know, I just wanted to niche down and, and talk about skincare a little bit more, especially because it was more prevalent. We were all staying inside. We were all wearing masks. So, you know, the makeup wasn't really as useful. Um, I found that I wasn't wearing makeup most of the time because how can I talk to someone in a video about skincare and then have makeup on? I still try to make sure that I'm usually barefaced when I'm talking about skincare. So I found that I got out of practice and I wasn't wearing makeup a lot. Um, but there's something really cool about being able to embrace your bare face and getting comfortable with it. I got so comfortable with it that I, I now feel kind of rusty when it comes to applying makeup, (laughs) but, uh, I think that now I'm getting back into it and I'm really enjoying it. So I think that it's changed my perception of beauty in the sense that, um, beauty for me really still is the self-care aspect and the trends just changed so much, you know, you know, last year or in 2020 was all about glass skin and almost bare skin. And now it's back to like a lot of blush. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool and really fun. So I think for me, it's, it's really about doing whatever makes you happy and confident. And if you enjoy just going through the trends, like I do, then going through the trends, I do think my perception of beauty has changed a little bit when I see how many filters are prevalent online. You know, it's difficult for young people to look at influencers, especially if those influencers feel pressured to put a filter on their skin or put a filter on their makeup. You know, sometimes I'll do, I'll follow a makeup look and I think, why does my makeup not look like that in a photo? Because, you know, in a photo, your makeup looks a lot less intense than it does in person. And so I think that's been a good reminder of realizing that not everything is how it seems. I get, I get wrapped into it too. So if I see someone post about a makeup look and then I see a photo on their Instagram, I'm thinking, how come? And now that I'm behind the scenes, I realize that a lot of it is produced. So even like lighting will change. I'm not even talking about filters. Lighting will change how my skin looks. I want to film in front of a light because that's going to give me the clearest video, but also it makes my skin look really good. So sometimes people will be like, oh my God, your skin is like just always perfect. And it's a really sweet compliment, but I also want to tell them it's not. If I flip the camera the other way, you would see every little crevice and pore. And and so I try to like remind people of that because we are producing content, we're producing videos. So we're going to have like bright lighting so people can see, but it also blurs everything out. So just food for thought when you're watching people online. Yeah. And I think it's a fine line. And I think it's, you know, where you were saying it's sometimes you do just show content where you're just a bit knackered and you've had a long day and it's the real, not that it's not the real you when you're doing your tutorials or like your more produced content, that's part of your job. And it's also part of who you are, which I think is a really important point. Like it's okay to film a video with the light on where your skin looks more elevated than it does without the light I think that's I think that's fine like it's the world we live in but I think it's it is that balance of showing content that's really naked and really raw um and a really stripped pared back version of you 
mixed in with the more produced content, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm still learning, like, you know, I've only been doing this for a couple of years. I'm a perfectionist. So I want my video to be like amazingly produced and great. And sometimes I don't want to post something if the lighting is bad, just because I I see like a little grain in the video and I go, oh no, that's not clean enough. That's not good enough to uh, post. And then I'll post it. And I'm so glad I did. So I'm, I'm learning to embrace even just the imperfections of, of content and getting just a little more vulnerable and posting things that don't always look perfect. Yeah. And I, I just mean this from like a technical sense. Like I want the video to be crisp and I want the editing to be fun and good. And sometimes that's just not what I've made that day. And I can tell you, I've never regretted posting something, even if it's not you know, to the level that I want it to be, people still enjoy it. So yeah, just being authentic about that. And I guess that offers what you just said there offers perspective on what people are seeing versus what you're seeing also, like what you are doing is good enough. Like it's, I don't even think it's a validation thing. I think it's, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're clearly very passionate about producing content. You're clearly very passionate about beauty. And when it, something that's important to you you want it to be right you know yeah exactly it's just I want it to be right I want it to be so well produced and sometimes you know the lighting wasn't perfect or I don't think I said that as well as I wanted to but I'll post it anyway and honestly I've never regretted that people still enjoy what you have to offer so I think actually one goal of mine stepping into 2023 is being even more uh just unfiltered when I'm creating the content because for me it's almost like I see this vision in my head of what I want it to be and I make it and I love that but especially with TikTok and how just easy it is to quickly post something I think I'm going to challenge myself to just post something even if in its unedited imperfect form because people still want to see that they want to get to know you on that level and I think for me, I have shielded myself a little bit from that because I like to make sure that everything's perfect. Everything's been edited well. Everything has been explained well. But, you know, sometimes just coming on there and showing your skincare routine and just chit-chatting is also really cool too. So I definitely want to push myself to just post content as it is. That's going to be good. Yeah, has been that that kind of perfectionist side of you and getting things right has that been like a big learning for you because I'm quite new to content creation but definitely I've noticed it in podcasting like I'll go away and I'll script ads and then I'll record them or like I record an intro and I can record them sometimes like 20 times because like I said a word the tone of like the the way I said and wasn't right or like stupid things and now I'm getting to a point already where I'm just like it's it's good enough like it's it's good and it's good enough yeah yeah I think it depends you know a lot of my content is like educational and tip based so then that's not me just chatting to the camera that's me trying to get something across and there were times where I would I would say the same intro 20 times and let me tell you it did not get better (laughs) I just was getting like really caught up on like the tone, exactly what you were saying, the tone of one word or, or no, I, I flipped my hair in a weird way. That one clip, let's do it again. And you can get, you can really obsess over things like that. And it's just been a learning curve for me because I am a perfectionist and that's like 
just who I am. And I have to accept that. But sometimes it really holds you back because it's like a waste of energy. And you could have made like four more videos if you hadn't obsessed over this one part of this one video that literally no one but you would notice that that your hair wasn't in the right spot or whatever it could be. And I think, you know, in a way that can hold you back from being as authentic as possible. Not that you're not trying to be honest, but you know, if you get caught up in the perfectionism of how you want a video to look, then you fall back into that trap of like, you know, trying to make everything perfect and appear a certain way because you really care about obviously the production level of something, but that's not why people follow you. I don't think anyone follows me because they're like, oh yeah, her video is really crisp and her editing is like, you know what I mean? I think people follow me because they like hearing me talk about something and they know me at this point. So I think I'm having to challenge myself to not do that as much. And recently I have, like, I would say in the last few months, I just, I make it and it it is what it is. And I'll make a mistake or I'll even make a horrible, I'm really bad at typos. Anyone who follows me knows that I I might have like words on the screen and they're so wrong. (laughs) There's like (laughs) spelling errors in there that I just don't even notice, but I just put it out there and it becomes something like we can all laugh about in the comments and Yeah. Yeah. I don't think people care about that as much as, you know, when you're doing it, you care more about those things and you notice things that people don't notice. So it's like anything you think everyone's staring at the zit on your face. They didn't even know you had it, you know, it's just being human. Yeah. People like to see that humanness. That's what makes them want to follow you. So if you caught up in the production and the, this and that, that's actually so funny too, because when I, especially like last year, I really played with like the level of quality and the lighting and the production. And sometimes I'd get comments like, is this an ad? And it was because the video was so produced that people were like, this is clearly an advertisement and it wasn't. And I had to ask myself, why is everyone saying that about my videos? And then I realized maybe it's like a little too scripted, a little too, you know, I really thought too much about what I was going to say. And it comes off as like more ad like so that was a good wake up call too yeah that's interesting there is definitely one thing about social is you kind of the feedback's honest isn't it (laughs) oh yeah yeah my my followers keep me honest they'll tell me if they're like (laughs) yeah I love it it's it's fun you can't let that all go to your head because everyone's gonna have an opinion not everyone's gonna like the content you make but I do really listen to the feedback I get and yeah that's important too Okay, so moving on to the final question um, that I ask everyone on the show is what is your version of beauty? I think my version of beauty is stepping into your authentic self and loving that version of yourself, whatever it might be. Yeah. And, you know, we're all in a process and a journey and we're never going to be stuck in one time. But I think being I think feeling beautiful really comes from embracing yourself exactly where you're at and loving yourself because you at that on that day on that year are exactly enough and I think that's what I keep coming back to and what I really keep learning yeah I love that I love that I think it is just falling in love with who you are we don't do that enough yeah, wearing that bold lipstick because you love bold lipstick. Yeah, completely agree. Or not wearing mascara because you don't you don't like wearing mascara. So you do a bold eye look and no mascara, and that's totally uniquely you. Or 
or not wearing makeup at all because you love not wearing it. It's just embracing also the inside of yourself and just the outside of yourself as well. Completely agree. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been really amazing. I've learned a lot and you've given a lot of perspective and thank you for for your honesty and and yeah thank you for your passion because it's so much this is so fun and i really appreciate getting to talk about all these things hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you so much. If you like this episode, hit subscribe and leave us a review. 